Welcome to the Golf Chat Show. We chat all things golf, from random topics to the latest news. If you need some golf chat, this podcast is designed for you. So if you're on the way to work, at the gym, on the course, on the range, hitting some putts, or just need your golf fix. Let's just play some golf. We're here to chat some golf, so get ready and relax. It's now time for the Golf Chat Show with your host, Gatch. Welcome to the podcast, another episode of the Golf Chat Show, where guess what? We're chatting about some golf. Now, today's guest, he's been on a couple of times already, um, Matty Brooks or Brooksy or Matt Brooks, or I'm sure I've called him far worse in the past and vice versa. Um, he's come back on um, to chat. Today's topic is going to be about junior golf. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Matt now to sort of discuss why he's coming on to talk about junior golf because some of you will know exactly who he is and some won't who's listened before. So hope you're well. And thank you for coming on, sir. But tell the everybody or the, all the five to 10 people that are going to listen to this one, um, why you're on here talking about junior golf. Perfect. Thanks for having me on again, mate. Um, yeah, so I'm just on here because I really want to like, if you are a, a mother or a father, which obviously most likely you are going to be a mother or father, but if you if you are really, I'd really recommend listening to this because I really want parents to realise how things are so different now compared to what they were. Certainly, even when I was a kid, let alone when you know my mom and dad were kids. Like things have drastically changed so so quickly over like the last probably three or four years, or maybe a little bit more than that. But like what you have to do for junior golfers now is just mind-blowing and I, I, I wanted to do this with Gareth so I could get it out there and let people know and let people listen into really how important it is and and what to do correctly so over like oh, what is it since obviously I'm in Spain now uh, teaching elite junior golfers and up to 18 years old to get their scholarships to go over to the states but before that, I was at Stratford Avon Golf Club and I was, I had a junior sort of camp academy sort of thing going on for three years. I remember the very first one I did, I had two kids come to it and I was thinking, this isn't going to take off. Two kids, yeah, a couple events later, I had 26 kids. And then the year after that, even busier. And then I was thinking, there's no way it could get even busier. The year after that, it was even busier than that. And obviously I was doing something right, you know, obviously people won't come in just for the hell of it. It might have been cheap kid daycare sort of thing, but I'd like to think that they're also coming because I was doing a good job and I felt like the feedback I was getting was good. So it's just trying to get that message over basically that what to do and making sure you do it correctly and you don't get involved too much because I think that's another thing as well is that parents can get too involved with their kids sport I mean I absolutely I still hate playing with my dad I'll play with my dad and I would want to try and impress him it's the most ridiculous thing ever because I know that well I'd like to think he's impressed with what I've done but like I just I don't know it's just weird I just get that pressure playing my dad and almost at times I don't like playing with him so that can have an effect on a kid who's even younger so it's just getting that message over basically on 
on what to do if you want your kid to do well at golf. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you're teaching junior elites now, aren't you? Um, yeah. Europe's best, essentially, I guess. Yeah, um, some talent. So my yeah, I was gonna say some of that you said in the past. Um you said there's some kid called Tiger in there with plus five or something, you say? Tiger Christian son of like plus four, I think he is. German national player at sixteen years old. Not bad at all. We're destined that, isn't it? I keep saying it to you, Tiger and on plus four and it's sixteen, isn't it? It was European for the Ryder Cup, so I can say. Um so yeah, I mean obviously I know about your camps and so on and so forth. I know they've been quite successful in the places as well. Um, and I know you look at things slightly differently as well in terms of junior golf. Have you on to discuss about it? And I know you've given me some tips, well, pointers, I want to go, because I'm pretty much, when, I, when I've when i seen people start the PGA and stuff, I know that level one was junior coaching pretty much in a basis issue. And it's just literally basics, grips and posture and away they go. That's pretty much like level one complete. And I know it's moved on quite a bit. Just because I can see because some of your social channels when you've uploaded the camps, not only have they just been learning golf, they've been learning fitness as well. And that's been incorporated through the swing as well. That's what, what I'm reading anyway, or looking at. Um, so I know the first point you said you wanted to really discuss about in some in a, in a little bit of depth was fundamental movement swings. Uh, sorry, some fundamental movement skills. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so when it comes to teaching golf, I've got this like I was taught from both TPI and the PGA that you've got fundamental movement skills and fundamental sports skills. So fundamental movement skills are movements that relate to the sport. So in my junior camps, I would have fundamental movement sports, which are movements that relate to the sport of golf. So such things as tennis, hitting a tennis ball, throwing a ball, sprinting, medicine balls, getting the kids throwing them up in the air and smashing them into the ground. So that's the sort of stuff where those movements relate to the golf swing, which I'll go into a bit more depth in a minute. And then the other side is the fundamental sports skills. So fundamental sports skills are the skills that relate to the game of golf. And these will pretty much all the time have a golf club in your hand so it's the skills that relate to what you do on the golf course so a fundamental sports skill would be a game I used to do was like noughts and crosses so you had a noughts and crosses grid on the putting green and you get the kids to put the ball into a box which would class there'd be two teams different colors each color would be a different team and you have to get the three in a row like noughts and crosses sort of thing so that would be a skill relating to golf in terms of pace control, aiming in the right direction, and then also a little bit of the sort of what else would be worked on as teamwork. They'd be in two teams and, the, you know, you'd see the better older kids take charge almost and help out. You'd almost see them helping out each other, which is quite a good thing, really. They'd be helping them out and telling them where to aim and this and that. So... That's really what my camps were based around. You've got your fundamental movement skills and fundamental sports skills. Uh, and just making sure you get them to do both is really, really helpful when it comes to teaching them. So I would, if I had a younger lad, for example, who struggled to transfer his weight but when he had a golf club in his hand, he kept topping the ball and couldn't get a good consistent strike, I'd get him to go back to 
hitting a tennis ball or throw a ball because most of us have been able to throw a ball from a younger age. And when we throw a ball, without even thinking about it, we will transfer our weight from loading it into our trail leg, we'll go right-handed golfer, loading into their right leg to then shifting into their left leg and then following through so everything plays to the target. You've stuck a golf club into a kid's hand after they've thrown a ball in that same position they finish in, it's going to look just like a golf swing. So if I had a kid struggling to do a full follow-through and full weight transfer, I'd be like, right, okay, Timmy, let's go back to throwing a ball. Let's get you throwing a ball, throwing a ball, throwing a ball. And then let him try and memorise that feeling of weight shift and then stick a golf club in the hand and, and happy days, he goes on to striking the ball much better. So is that, in terms of that then, that seems very similar to what you'd probably teach an a golfer or an adult golfer, but are you simplifying it? Is that the difference? Yeah, it's a, a lot more simplified. It's like, obviously, like I say, you just get them to throw a ball. I mean, to be honest with you, if I've had some eight-year-olds throw a ball better than a, a 50-year-old, maybe because they're five, the, whatever age I just said, I can't remember, <laughs> seven-year-old <laughs> has been throwing a ball over a, t- a period of time recently at school when we all used to play different games, where a 50-year-old maybe hasn't had to throw a ball for a long time. But, you know, you get that 50-year-old 50 50 throw ball 10, 15 times, eventually they'll remember how to throw that ball properly. Maybe what I found with kids as well is actually giving them a target in front of them to try and hit. So having hula hoops I had stuck up on bamboo sticks, you'd have different level hula hoops. You'd have one at a couple of feet off the ground, next one above it, next one above that, and you tell them to try and throw the ball between each one. When it came to throwing, I'd probably get them to throw it into the highest one, which was about six foot high, just to try and get them. It seemed to work better, where when it was the low one, they didn't really shift through properly. So, And then I'd do the same. I'd get them to do exactly the same drill with a golf club in the hand. I'd get them to hit a low one into the bottom hoop, low one into the middle, and then a little bit higher into the top one. So it's just getting, yeah, you're simplifying it, and then you're trying to transfer it into the golf swing. Yeah, you probably, well, I was going to say, you could use that for everyday teaching, I guess, wouldn't it? That would be, if you want somebody to understand how to get through a golf, golf, well, through, I suppose. Yeah, okay. That seems yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, okay. So with that then, are you saying, what, what type of kids were you teaching with that movement, with that teaching from an early age? Because I remember reading, I think Bob Rotella said in Cutting Out of His Mind, a book many years ago when I really couldn't put, obviously I'm still putting out. So um, I do remember that he said the reason why kids are pretty good at golf straight away or putting or decent at the target is they don't overthink anything. They literally go, like, as you go check it through that home, how mm. to do it, and Timmy and Susie will just do it, I guess, um, where an adult will tend to overthink it. Is that very much the case? Um, yeah. Especially with those drills so. that you're doing, we're talking about? Yeah, so probably. I think... Kids won't really, I don't think anyone would overthink throwing a ball, to be honest with you. I think unless you're put on the spot, like I said, like I've had 50, 60, 70-year-olds, I've put them on the spot and asked them to throw a ball and straight away they've responded saying, oh God, I can't remember the last time I've thrown a ball. So I think then they're starting to overthink where a kid who has been doing it on a day-to-day basis, they just, there's no pressure. They just think, yeah, I've thrown a ball, I'll throw it like that. Oh, excuse me. So I, I think... 
Yeah, I don't, yeah, it, yeah, it does make, they don't overthink anywhere near as much kids, definitely. But then when it comes to the fundamental movement skills and fundamental sports skills, so FMS, fundamental movement skills, FSS, fundamental sports skills, just in case I end up going the short term. Too lingo eh? yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so what it would, so like I said, I'd basically base my camps around that. But another thing I'd base them on is their biological age and whether they're having a growth spurt and also um, their ability. You know, the last thing last thing I want is a 15-year-old who's been playing golf for X amount of years is coming over and I get him to throw a ball when he, can, he, when he already has the fundamentals of swinging the golf club. So that's where you'd almost put them into ability levels as well. So normally I'd have... Um, a, a, an advanced group of kids if I had a big group where I split them up and a less advanced group of kids so I'd get the less advanced group of kids focusing on fundamental sport uh, movement skills before hitting golf balls versus the kids who are more advanced I'd get them doing stretching if they were I'd, I'd actually no I'd get them to, I'd teach them a better way of warming up. So something that's really important before playing golf is warming up correctly. So the kids are, have got the fundamentals, the advanced group have got their fundamentals of swinging the golf club. So instead of going over those fundamental movement skills, we're going to go over something a little bit more advanced. We're going to get them doing overhead deep squats and warming up correctly versus the little kids who, like I said, you get a little kid who hasn't got the basics, but you relate it back to throwing a ball and they find it a lot easier. So that's where I'd almost look into a bit more depth. I mean, I had kids that I'd had since day one. So I sort of had an idea where they were of their growth spurts, what ability they were, where they were taught. I mean, I remember one of the kids I had from the very first year to the last year, like he would have, he was having growth spurts and he went from being able to touch his toes and doing an overhead deep squat, absolutely no problem, to literally only just getting past his kneecaps. And this is going on to another thing where the TPI side of things, which I do, where, where um, I do the mobility test and the, there's like, yes, yeah, mobility mostly. Um, this is why kids tend to swing the golf club so fluidly and easily compared to an adult. So a, a kid who is mobile, can touch his toes, can can get their bum down to the ground no problem at all from bending their legs they will swing the club naturally absolutely no problem if anything they'll be hyper mobile and they might even swing a little bit long but when kids have their growth spurts they will their uh, their bones can grow so quickly that their muscles don't lengthen at the same rate now if you think if you if you've got a forearm which is say 20 centimeters long or femur, say, in the leg, which is 20 centimetres long, and then it's grown five centimetres in, in a matter of weeks, but their muscle hasn't lengthened at the same rate. They've gone from having really loose muscles to having really tight, and they've gone from being able to touch their toes, like I said with that lad, to not being able to touch their toes, to then going from swinging the club so easily to really struggling to swing the club and struggling to have a consistent strike of the ball. So that's, again, where... I'd forget about the the with the more advanced golfers. I'd forget about the 
the the basics and go into mobility and warming up correctly to help them swing that club easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I suppose the example that came to mind when you said it was McElroy. If you look at some of his stuff, because he probably came to sort of follow golfing like I really did back then. He, he's fourteen. He saw a lot of him on social. Well, not on social media. So we heard a lot of this kid coming through. His swing has not changed since fourteen, has it? It's exactly the same. More or less the same, and he was really fluid back then. And he was that fluid enough that everyone was like, "Wow, okay, oh, okay, that's a lot different to everyone else." Is that? Is that probably a quick example? I'm assuming that might be. Yeah. So Rory Mackerel has always been very well known for his his X factor. So in the golf swing, once you get to the top of the swing, you produce what's called an X factor, which is the angle between your hip alignment and your shoulder alignment. And Roy McIlroy going into the downswing, he would almost get to a point where this is like coil, a coil effect, you'll call it, where his hips are, no, sorry, his torso or his shoulders are still turning away from the target, yeah. but his hips will actually start turning towards the target. So that you get what's called an X factor. But they're saying now that that is what produces bad back pain. Um, Tiger, they reckon Tiger got all this back pain because of it. So they're actually trying to almost delay this this talk happening in the golf swing now. So it happens later in the swing, but Rory has got quick hips. So Rory is now working on delaying that or has been working on it for some time now. I'd say since he's been with the TPI fitness guys, they've sort of clocked onto it because when they first tested him, he had the quickest hips they'd ever ever seen like they put these sensors on him and he just spun out of it big time and that can actually the spin out can cause you to have a reverse spine angle so you tilt away from the target you get stuck on the inside and I've seen many a good golfer who has high club head speed get stuck behind either hits it miles right because he's stuck behind gets the club face wide open into our path ball goes miles right or he saves it with his hands flicks it over and gets that big hook. So it's almost getting that right combination of mobility and the stability and be able to control that movement of delaying it until the right point so you get that perfect timing. And Rory was at that point where his thoracic spine mobility and everything between the shoulders and hips was so mobile that he could spin out too much too early and get that big right shot or big left shot where now he's more of a delaying that everything moves laterally a little bit more and then he gets that spin which gets that more consistent control of the of the ball and now he he absolutely bombs it and that squat that squat move you see golfers do into the downswing is them trying to delay it because if you squat down you're not pushing into the ground once you start pushing into the ground that is when the hips start turning so until you start pushing up out of the ground, so that that squat, like I said, delays it, and then they push and then spin. But by that time, by the time they're spinning, their upper body hasn't been left behind. Sounds like me, mate. If I'm honest, try not bad. That's why I'm having bad back. Sounds like me. If I'm totally honest, that's why I've got, I've got the X factor. But that'll do me. That's my excuse. Yeah, it's the X factor. What's said on the podcast? Yeah. Um, so. I know we've got, you've said TPI quite a bit. I'm guessing 99% of people won't know what that is. I've got a basic understanding. Just go over, obviously you've got PGA, Professional Golf Association, and you do your level of coaches throughout there. Your level one's junior, two's your 
basic sort of coaching and three's more advanced than as a level four or five and all that. But you do, you said, I know you're doing again another level of TPI. Also, all the pro golfers are doing it. I know it's coming into the junior game now, a lot more TPI and so getting ready for that elitist specialist if you are that good or even just your everyday sort of club, club junior golfer. I know it's a probably another podcast. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but very give a brief overview for people going, what the hell is TPI? I said it five, six times in the last 15 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> so, um, so TPI stands for Titleist Performance Institute. And it's basically, they've got loads of different levels. Like, like you said, it's another, another podcast, but they've got TPI level one and they've got TPI level two and level three in junior golf. Obviously, junior goes over junior golf coaching, golf goes over general golf coaching. They've got fitness, power, and medical. And then they've got level three in all of those as well. I've done TPI level one. I'm in the middle of doing TPI level two fitness. And I'm looking into doing TPI junior level two as well. But basically, all it is is uh, it, it started by, this is from what, I've, from what I've read and I've learned, is that it started over in the States and the the guy who owned Titleist took his son to see this, um, see one of the guys at, well, it wasn't TPI at the time, but went to go and see this guy who started TPI. And he screened, did this TPI screen with, with, the, with the guy, owner of Titleist, lad, screened him and it was the dad, the lad and the coach. And basically what happened is the guy screened the lad and then without even seeing the little lad swing, he was like, I'm going to see these swing faults. And the coach and the dad were just like, surely you've seen it. Yeah. Surely you've seen his swing to be able to know that. And he'd, he'd pretty much got all of the swing faults correctly. And, and obviously the guy who owned Titus was just like, wow, I want in. And that's how TPI came about. And now they've just, just gone into more and more stuff where they've gone into the junior fitness, the power, sorry, they've got power as well, which I didn't mention, power, everything. And a lot of the guys on tour now, I think they reckon, I, don't, I can't remember the number they released, but like the majority of the guys on, in the top 50 are all seeing someone from TPI. So is that as literally just to do with body movement? Not looking at the swing, just body movement as such. Is that, is that what he looked at? They go, no, that's, that's what the guy did first. He screened, which is level one. He just TPI screened the kid and could see that, say, he, he couldn't do the overhead deep squat. People who, the most of the time, people who can't do an overhead deep squat will, the majority of the time, early extend or loss of posture in the golf swing. So if he failed that, he would have said, your lad does this in the golf swing. And obviously he's done it and they're like, how did you know that? And then he said, well, it links to X, Y, and Z, which produces this. So it's a exercise related sort of screener, um, depending what, how good you do that exercise, depending on what you can and can't do in the goal screen. Yeah. It's like, it's basically like expecting, you know, I wouldn't expect to be able to do a backflip or be able to do gymnastics without knowing on mobile enough. If I said to the majority of golfers, again, this is like fitness, but if I said to the majority of golfers, touch your toes without bending your legs, you would know whether, you're, whether you can or can't do it. But what people don't know is that that relates to the golf swing more than you think. Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to leave it there for TPI because again, uh, that's all it's going to be. I've had 90 questions already in my head. Okay, cool. <laughs> Moving on, obviously, we've gone, we've gone fundamental mood swing skills, fundamental sports skills, as you discussed, which is the whole point of your sort of. Um, 
junior camps are organised around, and if you're teaching the junior, that's what it's about. Uh, you've got junior, you've gone over obviously the junior development stages a little bit, I think. Yeah, so oh yeah, I'll go over that a little bit more. Yeah. So basically, juniors have got certain windows of opportunity, TPI call it, to okay. train certain things at certain times. So the op- the windows of opportunity, you should cover speed. I can't remember what the age is. I think it's like six to eight years old or, or six or seven years old. There's two windows of opportunity to train speed as a kid. And at six to seven, 13 to 14, something like that. Don't quote me on that, but it's something like that where during those time frames, you should focus on getting your kid to work on speed as much as you can. For me, I get my kids to train on speed all the time, to be honest with you, because whilst kids are young, the best thing to do is to get them to swing it quick. Because they're talking club head speed. Club head speed, yeah. So I'll use something called speed sticks. Uh, it's just one of the exercises I get them to do. So speed sticks, they just swing it as quick as they can. You've got a speed radar in front of you. You've got different weighted clubs. And the, the idea is you swing right-handed and left-handed, which is another conversation actually about left-handed swinging. Uh, you swing right-handed and left-handed with the three different weights and you'll see a swing speed increase instantly just after a 20-minute session, if that. So you, I basically get them to train speed for as long as they can whilst they're a kid because that's the prime time. The kids aren't strong. They haven't got the muscle development or the muscle strength to be able to control that golf club. Like I said, kids at a younger age, most of the time are hypermobile which is why they swing so long, why they swing in such good positions and making sure that they have the speed whilst they can is the best thing to do. The last thing you want to be trying to do with a younger kid is getting technical as hell with them. It's the worst thing you can do. It's going to make them, unless they pick it up like that, which you'll be lucky to do that because obviously it depends on their strength. They're going to hate the game. You know, I've seen kids fall out of love with the game because people get too technical with it. That's mm. the worst thing that can happen, really. Mm. So yeah. Again, with the fundamental FMS and FSS, it's making it fun. You know, getting the games, making it fun and enjoyable for the kids, which is why when I did my camps, I had foot golf. I mean, the reason why I got foot golf involved was because if you think, I mean, we're adult. I mean, I started playing golf probably when I was 12, so... It's not too bad. Maybe when I was on the full course, 13. Um, but like the la- if you think how intimidating it would be, some kids might find it exciting and enjoyable to go onto the course, but some kids might think this is the first time on the golf course. Most likely they've got a pro watching them to see whether they're good enough to play on the course or, or their parents watching them and they've got the pressure and they've got to remember what club to hit from where. They've got to remember how many shots they've hit, they've got to remember the rules of golf, they've got to remember not to touch the sand in the bunker, they've got to remember what clubs hit from there. Like, you know, like you can imagine, it's just like in the head and they're going, back, yeah. what am I doing here? So the foot golf for me was, right, let's take the kids onto the foot golf course. Most kids love football. You know, like majority of the time, kids like playing football. If they don't, you, you know, you get them involved still anyway because it's, it's good fun. I can introduce them to basic rules like furthest away goes first, the lowest score after every hole goes first. Um, what are the other ones? Shaking hands after a round at my juice. I don't know whether that's going to be allowed anymore if, <laughs> with COVID going on. How about your elbow, mate? How about your elbow? Next junior comes, it'll be elbow, elbow, <laughs> elbow, 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 elbow,
but you know, shaking hands after taking hats off after when you shake hands, like it was just getting them into that, into the right method of counting their scores without having to think I need to put a sandwich out of the bunker, I need to hit a driver off the tee, I need to put this from here, or actually I can't hit the sand when I'm doing that. But, you know, it was just, it simplified it and made it easier and more enjoyable. So when they step on that first tee, they think I've got an idea of what to do here. Familiar. It's familiar, yeah. that's is there. Yeah. And you could teach them not only just, just to sort of crack on with the game and don't overthink stuff, but I guess as well you, you sort of teach them the game. They take cap off and take hands or have a drab or fist pump from a mile or yeah. a high five now as it would probably be. Um, so, yeah, okay. So, so, what's your version on foot golf? Because we, we had it at direct golf and I was like, it's probably a good idea actually because football's the most accessible, most popular sport going. You just pick up a ball for a quid and you're away you go. You play football where golf's not that accessible. Like, it's, it's got better, but it's not. Um, I suppose... And with most kids, I don't know if you were the same, but first love, isn't it, as a sport? If you're that into trying to get into a sport, the majority of kids will play football. It's sort of the way it is, isn't it? It's, there's always a ball in the playground. I don't know what it's like now, but when I was a kid, there was always a ball in the playground. So even if you never played, most kids got involved. They have 20 a side. So I guess trying to relate that football to golf worked well, I guess, especially for juniors. Is that probably a fair assessment or...? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I I didn't play golf at school until I was, I reckon I was in year 10, maybe. It was an option at school where you could play golf at school. Yeah. It was plastic balls. Like, it, you could bring your own golf clubs if you wanted, but, like, it was plastic clubs, plastic balls, and it was just in the sports field. Like, it wasn't anything That's special. That's time. I remember and that. It's hard to get people involved. I mean, it's not cheap. Um, you know, it's always been known as, I think, like, for my parents, because my dad played golf after I started, but for my parents, when they were younger, it was probably quite, and I, it does still get that image, I think, of an old man's sport, and it's better now, definitely, but it's that old man's sport, why do you play golf? It's a tough one, like, and, and obviously, well... I think it's it's getting better. So when I was, so we're going about how it's changed almost now. And when I was a kid, you know, no, you know, it was what people knew at the time. So no offense to my coach who taught me, but it was it was standing in a line on the range and it was hitting ball after ball after the ball. And you have two it. minutes, two minutes with the pro, and then they'd just teach you a couple of fundamentals. Hour with twelve years, and yeah, then you'd have. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to, I used to, not how, how I used to watch from a distance. Uh, one of the lads used to have like, schools come in and, and so on and so forth. Driving range where I was working at, and you'd have literally about four lads interested, four people, girls interested, that want to learn golf, and you'd spend a bit more time with them, obviously. And then the rest of them would just, would literally just stand on the line, you grip this, okay, there's your posture, okay, you swing the ball, that will get you through the golf ball that way, blah, 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 blah. And then every time without fail, it was like sword fighting <laughs> every time. So it was just cards going on, which I can imagine. Obviously, you must have come across that at some point. So, um, uh, but it's yeah. like, it, it, and I think this is where it's getting better. Like I said, like from when I was a kid being taught golf to the way I've taught golf, and I do think there are still coaches out there, unfortunately, that still teach that way of when yeah. I was a kid. But I think it's getting better. But it's just like. 
and this is where other sports are easier to make it more entertaining. So tennis, I think, is great. Like it's really fun. Like you, it's it's more of a team game. I think you get involved with your fr- if you go with a group of friends or, or if you go to meet new friends at a kids' camp sort of thing. I think you get involved with each other a little bit more. I think it's been like that for a long time where when I was a golfer, you'd almost turn up to play golf. You'd stand along the range on your own and you wouldn't really interact with the other kids at all, to be honest with you. I don't think at all where tennis, from what I can see, I, I mean, I did tennis a little bit when I was a kid and football. I did football camps at the NFU down the road on Tiddington, like Coventry, I think it was. Something yeah, like I that. went to there. I was about to say, that's... that's... Yeah, and you, you'd like, you'd mingle. But like again, it's a team game where golf is an individual game, and and you would mingle more. And tennis, you can I think you can mingle more looking at it where you got pairs and you've got you you got one side of the court like you're always playing against each other, so you can have the teams and the camps. And I think it's easier to make little games with tennis. Where back in the day for me, it wasn't like that. Like I said, it was line up. You you focus on yourself. You hit the ball. You focus on that little ball, and that's it. And the pro would come and see you for two minutes, and that's it. Where now I feel like the way I certainly felt like the way I taught was a lot more entertaining, a lot more fun, and, and just a much more relaxed environment. And engaged that's no- as well, and not getting bored. If you're getting them to do all sorts of that putting pace, and kids are going yeah. to each other talking, going, "Let's do it." They're engaged, aren't they? In the actual, okay, yeah. have I got to do that? Okay, how did I do that? And they'll learn off each other, I suppose. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. Old yeah, way, it's just hit balls. Cheers, mate. Next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much that was it. Yeah, okay. So we no, talked it's, about... Yeah. It's, it's definitely getting better and, and it needs to get better for the game to grow. Like, I, I mean, growing the game again is another bloody... <laughs> another podcast, really, but it's, it's a tough one. I think it, it's got to get out of that old-fashioned, expensive, snobby sport, which I think it's getting better at, definitely. Yeah, I know, well, I know we talked about junior development, junior growth and opportunities to train and so on and so forth. You did tell me that you wanted to talk about building an athlete. Do we need to go into that bit a little bit or not? Yeah, so that's that's sort of linking back to the fundamental sports skills. So I'll take a... Um, I'll, I'll go into sort of the guys on tour most of the guys on tour now are athletes. Like, you know, you look at them, they are absolutely... No, John Bailey's around now, is there? <laughs> and I mean, like... I mean, I, I've, I'm not going to start naming names, but, like, I've met up with a few tour players, luckily enough, and I've asked them questions. And, and even Tiger Woods, for example, who I've never met, but, you know, you see it, that he was... A great, like, really good little lad, athlete. Just Dustin Johnson, I think he played a very high-level basketball when he was at university. And I'm sure that his vertical jump, which again is something to do with TPI in the test, his vertical jump is higher than some NBA basketball players. So he can jump as high as an NBA basketball player, basically. So, and Rory McIlroy was obviously a very good athlete and some other lads who I know, who I've spoke to on tour, like they were very good at other sports as well. And they almost were in county for cricket and other sports before they even came to golf. So I think building that athlete and again, linking to those fundamental sports skills where I 
get sprinting involved where I, I mean, even in my last camp, last year of camps, I did volleyball. You know, I got a volleyball nest and I got the kids playing volleyball, hand-eye coordination and, and then tennis ball. I mean, I had a really good video, which I used in one of my advertising videos where I had a girl standing in front of me throwing a ball and having that same sequence of hip turn and then the rest of the body turns and follows the hand and the ball um, or the ball follows the, the body and the hand. And then in the very far background, I had another group of kids hitting tennis balls. And if you look at the two, it was almost at the same time, the girl was throwing the ball, the boy was hitting the tennis ball, and they were both moving the same way, but two, doing two different sports. Now, if I had a third kid in the background hitting a golf ball, you'd be amazed how all three of those movements would mirror each other. So that just shows that if you've got a good athlete, that they're most likely going to, you know, not just golf, they're going to be good at all sports. So if you get a good cricket player, you get a good tennis player, you get a good sprinter, you get a you're going to get a good golfer and vice versa, a good golfer, a good sprinter, a good tennis player. You're going to get a good cricket player. So it's about building that athlete and getting those fundamental movement skills in from an early age is going to help build the athlete. And, and you almost don't want to get a kid involved or too focused on a sport at an early age. You want to let them go and play, you, you know, girls doing, go and let them do dance, go and let them do horse riding, go and let them do netball. Go and let them do a little bit of golf. If, if they overlap, then let them pick. That's the other thing. Don't force them, uh, which I'll talk about. But, but, you know, get them flying around. Get them doing different sports and building that athleticism, which is what I tried to do in my camps, which, again, I think is the reason why they were so popular. You know, I'd have 26 kids in one day. Not all to myself. Obviously, I had helpers as well. But 26 kids in one camp. Like, I never dreamt of doing that. Mm. So it's, it's about building that athlete 100% and I think until they almost reach their teenager age maybe a little bit younger than that depends on what ability they are at, at golf or the sport that they want to go forward in I think you've got to keep them flowing between sports until you really get that and when when it comes to that point where they've got to focus on that sport that is that is what that's the bread and butter that is what makes them get it on get onto tour and what means they don't get on tour like i said again speaking to tour players i've spoke to on tour like i've had tour players or not a lot just a couple where i've spoke to them on nights out or um, whatever and they've said they didn't have a social life like their mom their dad and again this is back to tiger they were not allowed to do stuff until they did something and as as bad as that sounds I think you have got to be like that. You've got to push them out of the comfort zone. So I've been listening. This is mainly due to you. I've been listening to some different podcasts. And there was just one bloke who I listened to on, um, oh, what's the podcast? I've told you I'm bad at memorizing things. Um, Game Like Practice, I think it's called. And there was this one bloke on there and it was really good. And he was going on about a tiger that lives in the zoo and a tiger that lives in the wild. You've got two different types of tigers there. You've got one tiger who lives in the zoo, who is given everything, doesn't have to work hard. You know, he's, he's fed silver spoon almost. He's given everything. Doesn't have to worry about his life, doesn't have to work hard. The tiger in the wild has to 
have so many risks to survive and learn and fight and work hard for his food and for life to survive. So you've got two different tigers there. You, and I think this is where how to develop a golfer starts coming into it as well. And you've got the, the kid almost that is given everything, is given an easy life, is told he can do, he can have this, he can have that, and almost doesn't work hard enough. Where the kid who has come from a lower class family, say, has seen that you have to work hard to get things. You know, you're not going to get given everything on a on a plate. You have to work hard to get somewhere. So you've got those two kids, and most of the time, the kids who who have to who don't get given everything make it. I mean, don't get me wrong. You get a lot of kids that do make it, and they've got the worth work ethic to to make it but you get a lot of kids in this category that don't make it and you've got a lot of kids you know it's, it's a combination of both it's having that don't get me wrong the financial support is great like it's going to help you but if you just think it, if you take the piss out of it you're not going to make it and I think when it comes to coaching as well or practicing even this is where it starts coming into action as well is we can be that tiger in the zoo and we can practice so that we look good. We can practice what we're good at and we, we will not get better. Like without a doubt, we will not get better if we keep practicing what we're good at. Where you get that tiger in the wild, when you come to the range, it's the equivalent of practicing, practicing something you're bad at, random practice, picking random targets, different range, different, different shots every time. That is your, that is, more like on the course and it's harder to get right so you've got to practice like that more it might make you look bad god if you've got people watching you they might think who's that like he's not very good but you're learning more from that session than you are the one that makes you look good you might get people looking at you thinking bloody hell he's a good golfer but let's be honest on the range it means nothing mm. i was gonna say a couple of examples i've got I, I, I totally agree with everything you say couple of examples I've got. I mean, for my sins, and I will say for my sins, or to be a football fan, sport Man United. Man United have got a podcast now, which has been going a few months. I've been having some ex-players on there just talking about, especially when they were junior footballers, how they got picked up and so on. I think like Gary Pallister, I don't know if these name anything to you, Brooksy, but Gary Pallister, obviously, uh, you know, a title winning centre-half with Man United. I think he was basketball. Is he six foot? Or, or something like that. I think he, I think he was quite good at basketball and county basketball before, and he had to choose like football, or basketball. And he wasn't sure. And it's literally just because Middlesbrough offered him a contract. He went, well, "I'll do that then." It was that type of, you know, obviously an athlete-wise that way. Um, I think like Patrice Ever, he was homeless um, growing up, and then I think he was, well, he was 15, and Inter Milan saw him play football one day and offered him a contract to go over to Italy at 15, um, but. And he, now he's working at the Man United Academy, looking at kids and, and coaching kids all day and the academy players and so on and so forth. And he says that's one of the big fundamentals they look for. Working class kids with the right attitude. Yes, they've got to have talent, but without that talent working alongside the actual, uh, you know, the attitude and the application, I suppose, to do so, they're not going to get anywhere. I think like Phil Neville's another one. Um, obviously, Neville, obviously, Famous Neville brothers, for those that don't follow football on here, or obviously Man United again. He was number one in Lancashire, I think, at cricket, at county level. Um, Freddie Flintoff was number two. He was better than Flintoff at cricket. And Flintoff always says the best thing that ever happened to me was, was Phil Neville choosing football. 
to the Man United because he's starting cricket together pretty much. So, like you say, they've got to have some sort of athlete and attitude, haven't they, to be able to pick it up. And I suppose the same with golf, isn't it? You do hear some stories, don't you, where even PGA pros, a lot of them were really good footballers, but they decided to play golf because it was all a lot of really good rugby players. I think Ernie Owls, isn't he? I think he could have chose tennis, rugby, and because I'm a big Ernie Owls fan, he could have tennis, rugby, or golf. And he chose golf in the end, but he was all playing high-level stuff at 18, I think. So it was just depending yeah. on which one he chose to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Well, again, that's that athlete, isn't it? Building that athlete. Yeah. No, it's definitely a very important thing. Similar to other sports, isn't it? Which I don't think golf's had them. Right, it was like, oh, you just go, oh, yeah. Men in Rupert of Jump, Rupert, Rupert of Bear Trousers and stuff. So now it's becoming, isn't it? Um, um, so we've gone through quite a bit. One subject, I know I'm quite, I could to be talked about for a while, which I know you know I could do, and the loads of guys I could probably call to talk about what golf has done wrong in the past versus the now. Explain to me a little bit about that because you wanted to talk about that, didn't you? Yeah, so it's going back again to that the uh, you know, the teaching method I think wasn't very appealing, like the experience wasn't very enjoyable compared to other sports. I think that had a big, like, like me and you both said, like you went to the NFU, Coventry, whatever, football academy, and then you'd go to the the tennis academy and it, it was very different. I mean, me growing up, I played mainly football, to be honest with you. I played football in my local village and I did a bit of tennis and now I do the football. I think it was mainly football to me, to be honest with you. I didn't really like many other sports. I did a bit of tennis on holidays. But it, I think just other sports appeal or did appeal a lot more entertaining, a lot more fun versus what golf was. And I yeah. think that is what was changing. And and a big thing that needs to change is the, is the you know, I'm all for looking smart and, and having the etiquette. I think that golf, I mean, obviously my mum and dad, the way they raised me would have had an effect on the way I am as a person, but I think golf definitely may have an influence on the way I am as a person. You know, I mean, I, I, I will, if I meet my mates, girlfriends, or if I meet girls, I, I won't just say hi. I'll almost go give them a hug, kiss on the cheek. It's probably the Spanish side of things as well. But, but that's the way I'll, I'll see someone. If I see a female, that's the way I'll say hi. If you thank a female at the end of the round, you will, do the same you'll hug them kiss them on the cheek if you finish a round of golf you will shake hands with the with the male if you if i meet a new one of my mates mates i'll shake their hand and i think that has definitely had an influence and and caps off inside i mean kids wear caps everywhere now and it drives me mad when i see kids wearing caps inside uh, even at the academy now we'll go into the clubhouse and i'll have to tell half the academy kids to take their um excuse me <laughs> Excuse me. Um, podcast tell- free for the podcast. That one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll have to tell them to take their caps off, and I'm just like, were you not taught to take your caps off? And I think kids now just, I don't know, but that's the way it's got to change. It's got to be a little bit more relaxed. And again, that's probably me not being relaxed, saying kids have got to take their caps off inside. To be honest with you, but it's definitely getting in that right direction, like. I know golf courses where, I mean, my local course, Balford, I can turn up there and 
with my shirt untucked and probably wearing jeans and I'd be able to play. Where if I turned up to Stratford like that, I'd get a slap around the bottom. I'd probably give him a thump back now, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's, what's your thoughts on that, on, on the dress code, very quickly? Because again, this probably could be another podcast, that the topic, but are you someone that say, like, let's relax it a little bit, dress code-wise? I'll or... try and keep it towards kids, but I think it's got to change. Like, for kids, I think it's got to be completely forgotten. I think parents should not have to worry about dropping their kids off at a golf camp and have to panic and worry about what they're wearing. For them to come down to a golf club for the day to learn a new sport and and do that, you know. And I think, you know, with my with my like, I did have a dress code in the in the form I'd send out to the parents, but it would, I mean, I wouldn't be strict if a kid turned up with shorts, with pockets on the side, I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, love, you can't leave your kid down here dressed like that. You know, I'm not going to say, like, for the kids' camps, I would, I'd almost just leave it. Like, and for kids in general, I think it's to a certain point where it starts to need, like, collars, getting kids to wear collars, where for my camps, if they were wearing a T-shirt, it'd be fine. And also, after, like, we're trying to grow the game, and if parents come down to pick their kids and they're, they're group of friends come down to pick up their kids as well and they want to have a drink after and they're wearing jeans they don't want to have to think well i've just been told i can't drink yeah drink at the bar with my jeans on i'm not going to go to that club again and that's where golf has almost been killed a little bit i'm not saying that is the root cause because parents come up to pick up their kids and they get told they can't wear that and they don't that's come, just an example obviously you've seen it yeah you've yeah that's it, it. yeah that's an example but think, the biggest thing about that, though, is that if they were, the parents would go, well, I ain't going to go back up here, which means the kid might never ever play golf again. That's it, yeah. Ever. Or if, if they do play golf again, they might not go to that golf club again. Yeah. So I know the welcome is a very relaxed, not very relaxed, I know that's bad, but like more relaxed than I think some other courses are. And don't get me wrong, there's clubs all over the country. And those clubs that are still quite, I mean, you've got Little Aston, where you're not allowed in the clubhouse unless you're wearing a shirt and tie in certain parts of it. And, but that club is, I can't see that club going into liquidation. And again, Stratford is a very wealthy club and a very strict club in terms of dress code. And I can't see that club going into liquidation. So there are clubs out there, don't get me wrong, that will keep the tradition and yeah. there will be members that like that tradition. I'm almost a little bit more of a traditionist within reason. Um, that it should be that way, but at the same time, I think there's a time and a place when it, it, it should be relaxed a little bit. Mm, no, I agree. Um, I know there's another topic as well where it goes, well, how golf needs to follow other sports, and then it goes back to what golf has done wrong in the past. And there's one thing that I will thought, if I was ever lucky, in, lucky enough to own a golf course, the first thing that I would do, first thing I would do is under 18s, so that means every member there who's got grandkids or even lads and girls and anything like that, their own children, free of charge. Remember, free of charge. End of period. Um, yeah. Just get them involved because the last thing you need to do is kit out a kid. Let's say they have got some talent and let's say they have a handicap of, say, I don't know, even if 20, if it's about 20 at the age of 16. And now with the price of gold, you're probably... They're probably going to be on the verge of looking at actual men's sets, lady sets, 
that's going to be probably uh, five, six, five to eight hundred quid um, set up equipment wise. Mm. And you got the clothes and the shoes and everything on top just to keep the tradition. Um, and then you're asking them to top of that is paying a membership. I just don't think I'd bother with it. I'd like, look, come play golf. You concentrate on what, what makes them better. And I think from a long point of view, if I was a golf club owner, I'd be like, okay, cool. So we've got you've got these juniors that are free of charge. One of them becomes the next Rory McIlroy out of nowhere. Mm. Great exposure for the golf club. And will entail getting more members, more green fees and so on and so forth. I think that big needs to happen that's what i would do anyway if it was me right now owning a golf club rich charge anybody under the age of 18 i mean i don't know how much golf get from junior junior membership but it's peanuts compared to well certainly it's stratford again this is a bit it's still got a joining fee but stratford's membership for kids like it's peanuts compared to what the member what the, the full members pay yes and i think certainly I, I would say up to the age of 16 because again i think if you if you let the kids at that age at 16, it's going to be that more serious stage. And I think if the kids know that some, that the membership is being paid for, they might take it a bit more serious and it might make them concentrate a little bit more where at 18 years old, most of the time they're going to be going to university. So it's not going to matter. Uh, But I think at 16, if the kids know that their parents are paying Certainly, this was my. This would be my almost thought: is if I knew my mom and dad were paying for something for me to be a member, I'd take it a little bit more seriously. Okay, so up to sixteen, that would be better because again, that's the age where they've got to start focusing on 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 golf if that's the route they want to go down. See, the Oaks pulled that in about eighteen months ago, where I'm at, where it's free for under sixteens, and yeah, they've okay. got no junior golfers up there. Oh, I'm I fell staggered to see where you've not gone to every single school in the area. And gone, we can offer you coaching, we can offer you this. It's free. Yeah. The coach yeah. is not, but the actual playing for the excess of the course when other members are out there, it's free. Yeah. And for me, for one, being a like an ex junior golfer, I won't give a monkeys. I won't pay anything. Um, mm. just because you know they're the future of the club. Yeah, yeah. Even for the guys that are not gonna be the elitist PGA guys like yourself or even tour players. So yeah. I don't know, it's weird. probably 16 is probably sensible. Yeah, you're probably right there, Brooksy. But again, going back to Stratford, like, as an example, Stratford, how many, how many guys paid for their own membership? I did. I saved yeah. up and I was working since I was 14. He could uh, work. Um, other guys didn't, did they? So I'm like, well, uh, you got a joint fee there. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, I'll cover it. They're not going to lose anything, are they? So, um, so how does golf needs to... I mean, is there anything else golf needs to do to sort of follow other sports, do you think? Just keep, just make sure it's fun, really. Like, so I think tennis and football and everything is a lot more enjoyable. But again, golf is getting in that direction, definitely. And I think it's from the, if, if people are educated better, the coaches, for example, like the PJ now is definitely, obviously I didn't do it years ago, but when I was there, it, it certainly gave me an idea on how to coach juniors better. Uh, I can't remember fully now what they sort of said, but I think maybe a combination of the TPI stuff has sort of taught me in that way of teaching kids as well. So I can't say it was all the PGA, but certainly the PGA did talk about uh, junior golf and how to now correctly teach them versus what it used to be sort of thing. And they did mention the FMS and FSS skills during that, during that degree. 
Okay, they're changing all the time then, which is good, I guess. Okay. Um, if there's anything else to add, we'll move on quickly to the next one. Club fitting for kids. Yeah, no, now, this is, this now is when I was fitting clubs, you had US kids, I think it was US golf kids, is it US kids golf? And it was literally yeah, how, how, how tall and how old you are, and that's your colour code. That's your set, young man. There you go, 100 quid, whatever it was. And for slightly older, it was a little bit more like, okay, well, he's just starting golf. He's 15. He's not quite at the. He's too big for the junior sets. Let's go and do something else. We've got to go get a cheap box set. And we used to offer, like, down and, and loft and lie and so on and so forth on that box set, much as we could do, I guess, because it was a cheap box set and you can't really do much on the loft and lie, really. You could do bits, but not a wonderful amount. Um, I'm hoping, I'm guessing, by the way, you've brought, you've asked me to bring that up. Is that you've moved on from that? Is it fitting um, for kids? Is it moved on from just the old colour coded? You're sick, you are blue. Yeah, no, it's the kid it's wants yellow. Play, <laughs> but I want to get the message over on, on how important it is. So, a great example I always do, which I think I did in one of my videos, yeah, fitting video I did. But a great example I'll always say is, I'll go on myself. If I took a golf club that were, if I went to swing a junior golf club, for example, that club would be too small for me. It'd be too light for me. And my consistency of shot and the distance it went would be well off to my optimum. Yeah. Where if I got a kid, a seven year old kid to swing my driver, you know, I've got, a, I've got a fairly light, I've got a 60 gram driver shaft, tour extra stiff, really low torque, that's going to be exactly the same for them. It's not going to be anywhere near optimal for them. It's going to be too heavy. It's going to be too long, too stiff. Like the grip will be too big, everything. So there's nothing going to, going to match it. So what, so I would swing my personalized, personally fitted golf club better than I would swing a club off the shelf. And I, it would be optimized better to me. And I'm a fully grown out. Well, I'd like to think I'm fully grown out. Fully <laughs> grown out. I'm strong. I'm fairly mobile. You know, I can control everything. Where a kid who is going through a growth spurt, potentially not at their full strength, not at their most mobile, or could be hypermobile. If you give a hypermobile kid a club that's got a, that's too heavy for them, they're either going to struggle to lift it. They're going to lift it and they're going to go massive reverse spine angle. They're going to spin too much or, or turn back too much, put massive pressure on their spine. A lot of loads, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to cause loads of issues. So the thing I hate seeing is hand-me-down golf clubs. I mean, I remember my granddad started me playing golf and I remember a couple of clubs I tried were his old ones and they were too heavy. And if you think about it, it's the worst thing you can do. It's hard enough not being strong enough to, to do something. So giving a, go a club to a kid that is too heavy for them to lift is going to, A, it's going to make it harder for them to swing, so it's going to affect how their golf shot performs and how consistent they are, which then is going to make them hate the game. You know, if there's a clear kid who can't hit the golf ball because it's too heavy for them or too light for them even because they're swinging too blah, 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 the list goes on, they're going to start hating the game. They're going to fall out of love and they're not going to play the game again. So mm. making sure this is where it starts getting expensive. But at the same time, it, it can be cheap. I mean, 
I remember a couple of, you can buy US kids set of golf clubs with a bag, a putter, a wedge, a seven iron and a driver for probably 200 quid, maybe 150 quid to 200 quid, which is a lot of money really, especially when you think about how quick kids grow. But I mean, I remember I was told some of my uh, customers to go to Sports Direct. And for a kid that's just starting golf, you know, they've got the same color code thing. You just work out or it might not be color code and it might be age, which isn't ideal because you've got your biological age, which a six-year-old kid at one biological age could be X amount higher than another six-year-old kid that's at a lower height because of their growth spurts and their whatever. So, but anyway, that's... So making sure, basically just getting it, going to Sports Direct, you can buy a driver for like 15 quid, a seven iron for 10 quid, a putter for 10 quid, you know. You can get a, a fairly basic but good enough set of golf clubs to go on the range with your golf coach to start a kid off playing golf. And they're going to be the right length, give or take an inch or two, and they're going to be the right weight. I know that there are some companies out there now, I know I had a meeting with a company called Golfin before I went well about a year before I went to Spain and they've made invested in like bigger faced heads and it's lighter titanium like really light titanium bigger grooves everything's easier for them to hit and super light because again the kids haven't got the strength to control the golf club let alone control a heavy golf club so it's it's the club fitting getting the golf club the correct set to golf clubs for a kid is really important. It's going to affect how they improve during their progression. Mm. As you say, any recommendations? You just move off. I recall. All right. Um, is there any recommendations on junior gear or what to do? But I suppose that's the one, isn't it? If you want to keep it cheap and you know that kid's going to... Yeah. It depends on your on your price bracket. Golfing, like you said, the, the stuff I saw at golfing, it's uh, golf and then it's like pH... ON I think it is I'm sure it's something like that um, they've like invested a lot of money in technology and to see what is best and it, it makes a lot of sense on what they've done but you know they're probably going to be a bit more pricier you've got your US kids which are probably middle of the range Ping do stuff Taylor May do stuff I mean Ta Rory McIlroy's got his own set of junior golf clubs um, Taylor May is what I used in my camps and then you've got your you've done lots at, at um, Sports Direct, which again, it's not the most advanced technology, but the main thing is, is that length yeah. and, and the weight rather than an old steel shafted club. Even if it's cut down, it's going to be too heavy. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not a start. Yeah. So if, if me and you tried to swing a goal, a driver, which was 150 grams in total with, with you know, It'd be a nightmare. We wouldn't be able to swing it anywhere near as well as what we'd be able to swing our, our current drivers or our, like our 60-gram drivers sort of thing. So it's really important. Cool. Um, and you obviously touched us then about mobility and growth spurts. Yeah. So that's just obviously that all builds in with uh, the FS, FMS and FSS really. And that's why kids' golf swings can change so quickly. It can go from being fluent and easy to next thing them topping the ball and and really struggling so one of the kids who I used to teach before I went to Spain uh, before I left I, I recommended them to go to X1 and Z I'm not going to be going names again um, and uh, a couple well, one of the parents in particular like got in touch with me and was just like when are you next back from Spain I want you to see my lad like 
his golf hasn't gone great since you've left. Um, I'd like you to have a look. His swing doesn't look as good and this and that. And I was like, look, you can't blame the coach. Like, you know, he might not be doing a great job. He might be doing a great job. But I feel like my knowledge in junior coaching is almost above and beyond most golf coaches, I feel, in the area in particular. I feel like I'm lucky enough to know the fitness side of things and the golf swing side of things. I feel like yeah. those two together makes me have a better understanding of how the golf swing works for both older generations and younger generations. I feel like that for me is a benefit. Like I said, like golf coaching and fitness company, like that is something where you've got two um, two parts of the golf game from one person where you'd normally go to one person to another person, blah, blah, blah. So I basically said to the, to the, the parents, I was like, look, you know, the coach might be doing a great job. I'm not saying he isn't, but the coach might not understand that your lad, I said, has your lad had a growth spurt? Oh yeah, I think he has grown a bit recently. Okay. Well, straight away, there we go. That's flashing up a, a red flag for me, waving a red flag. He's probably had a growth spurt. His muscles have got really tight and now he's struggling to swing the golf club. So it might not be the, the golf coach's fault. You know, it might be the golf coach's fault for not knowing that that is a problem. And he might not have taught them properly, but he can't, they can't blame the coach for that, really. I think, I don't know, I suppose you could if the coach doesn't know, but you can't just point fingers and think, oh, well, the coach isn't teaching them correctly. You know, he's probably teaching the correct methods and getting him to do the right things. He just doesn't understand that the kid's had a growth spurt. His muscles have gone from being really, really mobile to really, or his joints and everything have gone from being really mobile to really stiff, which is why his golf game has just gone downhill since, I mean, I've only been in Spain since September, so that would be perfect timing. Yeah. Really, like, you know, he's had a month or two with the coach, gets his growth spurt, and then the month or two, you know, next two months, He's had a nightmare, so it's perfect timing, really. I haven't been away long enough to be able to say the coach is the reason why. Yeah, okay. That's why, like I said at the start of the podcast, it's just understanding how mind-blowing it is now to, you know, it can be simple to teach golf, but good God, it can be a, a mind-blowing thing to teach it correctly at the same time as well. Well, the thing is, for most golf pros, you would never ask a someone like me, you'd never ask, have you had a growth spurt? Is that why your swing's changed? Where if you specialise in the area, you would do automatically, wouldn't you? you go, okay, yeah. there'll be a list of red flags here. Has they done this, 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 this? Ah, got one, growth spurt. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I can see there's, um, God, it's changed a lot since I remember looking and watching and even studying a little bit of the chick We just wind up, hit balls, down, you got your, got your posture. It's quite funny going to the Jason Floyd Golf Academy I'm at at the moment. Tiger Christianson is the most mobile kid at that academy. Like his hip mobility, his overhead deep squat, toe touch, like everything. He is so mobile. I'd say he's almost hyper mobile in, in areas, which again is going into the fitness, which we'll cover another time. But that for me just makes perfect sense. You've got the best golfer at the academy who moves the best. He absolutely passes the TPI test with flying colours and he is the best golfer at the academy. Where well, you've got other kids at the academy who are less mobile and don't swing the golf club as well. Now, whether Tiger's had more experience, better experience, the list could go on. 
that that for me just adds up. And I'll say the the second best golfer at the academy, Carl Siemens, um, he is his mobility is good as well. And again, he's second best. He plays for the German national team as well. Plus two handicapper, fifteen years old. Tiger Christensen, sixteen. He's plus four, plus three. Both really mobile golfers. Both swing the golf club unbelievably and play golf unbelievably. Where you've got kids who aren't maybe as mobile, who don't swing it as well, and obviously overall aren't as good a golfers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm positive there are golfers out there, which is the whole point of TPI, is knowing how the individual moves to be able to get them to swing the golf club correctly. So again, it's that side of things of, of making sure they do what they can do or getting them to be able to do what they should be able to do and not telling them to do something which they can't do. So that for me just is is like just black and white for me. Like you've got two lads, it's a couple of the best golfers at the academy, the best mobility-wise at the academy, bang. Mm. It makes sense, doesn't it? As for what you say, just by looking at the exercises, determining on how good they could potentially be. I'm trying to wrap it up last couple of questions more than anything else. Um, you've got a big explanation about that you gave to me. Make it fun. Hit me up on that. You got what, sorry? You got make it fun. Make it fun. Oh, well, this is almost, well, yeah, just make it fun. Like, like I said, you've got to get those different games in. You've got to, so with my junior campsites, at the start of the, so if I had 26, we'll go for example, if I had 26 kids, I'll split them up into two groups. You've got the uh, advanced group and you've got the less advanced group, like, on yeah you've got those two groups and then within those two groups i would then split the groups up again and i'll get a little team thing going so again this is going back to football and tennis you can make it a team thing golf isn't it can be i mean Ryder cup is a massive team event match play like you know all that is team stuff but i'm trying to make it fun and that is making it fun so you split them up into their advanced advanced golfers disadvantaged golfers and then within those groups, you get them into two groups and, and you get a point system going on throughout the day. So they don't just, you know, if they don't like something as much or they don't do as well at something as much, they just give up. Instead, it's like, right, come on, guys, this team is five points ahead. You lot need to get this in to overtake them or to get neck and neck. So that adds a little bit more excitement into it instead of, oh, well, I was rubbish at that, I give up. Mm. Yeah. But instead, it's like, and again, that's where... The noughts and crosses game, and and you know that the list is. I could go on with the list. Friendly competitiveness, I think, is the word you're looking for, isn't it? It's yeah. just competitive, yeah. but they're not really realising it. It's just like, oh, yeah. and it gets them working together. Like I said, you'd have some kids helping them. I wouldn't stop kids from helping other kids make sure they're aiming in the right direction for the noughts and crosses. It's like, right, okay, you need to aim over there, aim that way a little bit more, that way a little bit more. And then they're working together. They're, they're bouncing off each other. They're learning off each other. And the kid helping the other kid is going to help that kid who's taught the other kid. You know, it's going to boost his confidence. And the kid who's learned off a kid more his age is probably going to help him a little bit more. So that's just the way of making it a bit more fun, just trying to get it more of a team game and giving them a variety of games and challenges to do as well. And don't get, it, don't get them stuck on one thing at once. Just give them a good variety, like I said, tennis, volleyball, you know, stuff like foot golf, you know, we'd chop and change between everything. Mm. One random question I'm going to ask you very quickly before I, before I ask you the last two. Um, how, how did you get into it, junior golf-wise? Obviously, you sat there and you've gone, right, if I'm going to specialise in something, 
I'm going to do junior golf. Was that type of, did you take that and go, nobody's doing it in the area, so I'm going to do it? Yeah, no, no one was doing it in the area. And almost from the TPI stuff I followed, after doing my PGA stuff, I sort of thought, no area. This is a good opportunity, this isn't. And at the time, well, obviously it was probably four years ago now, there was it was big on growing the game. Like, you know, everyone was talking about growing the game and Stratford were talking about trying to get more junior members, believe it or not. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, we got enough down there, Jesus. Um, so I was just like, perfect. And, you know, the first one I did, I had two kids and I was just like, and I think the second one I had, I had like 10. And then I think in the first year I had one camp which was full and then the year after I had two or three and then the final year, mate, it was just chocker the final year. So yeah, I think just almost seeing the opportunity of no one else doing it in the area, thinking I'm at a golf club which attracts the right sort of um, customer base maybe, maybe a middle class to upper class sort of family range. They can afford it. Not that I was expensive, but golf was probably a bit more in the family and a bit more appealing rather than, I don't know, I've got to be careful with my words now, rather than a sort of a lower caste family, family who might not have had the opportunity to play golf and might not think it's affordable. Well, no, I mean, there's nothing wrong you're saying there. Like I say, there's a reason why I've played rugby, I've played football. There's a reason why because working class families do football and boxing. Mm. It's cheap and it's accessible and you've got your equipment there already. Yeah. Um, yeah. The where you've got your sort of middle class where you've got your rugby, your golf, your cricket, I guess. One yeah. So, well, it's the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. You get the odd one that you come through and from back round and vice versa and it happens. But, yeah, no, I don't think you're saying everything out of turn. Um, that leads me on to now, how's your camps work? A bit of explanation beyond that. How they work? So, well, obviously, how what it's uh, in Spain or when I was back here. Sorry. Both. So, Let's go both. Whatever you want to do, mate. Whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm happy either way. But I know that you actually work for a school, don't you? In Spain. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, you're not doing your camps camp, as such. Yeah. So it's probably not so much a camp in Spain. It's just more of a. It's a bit more advanced than Spain. It's not so elite much school, is it? Yeah, that's it, yeah. So we basically just teach them to get their scholarships in the states. So we teach them at the best. It's a, it's basically what I do, just more advanced, really, or what I did before over here. But with the camps when I was here, like I said, it was just split them into the correct groupings, and then depends on what groupings they were in, I would get them either doing the fundamental movement skills to start off with for the, the less able or less experienced golfers to then relate that back to the golf swing to then a bit of foot golf. We'd do long game in the morning, for example, over on the range. And then in the afternoon, we'd swap it over and we'd be on the putting green doing chipping putting, which would involve, again, team games, individual games. I'd have different stations. And then the other group would swap over. So we'd have the other group, let's say the advanced group were over on the range in the afternoon. We would maybe do a little bit of, we'd do mobility work, doing a correct warm-up to start off with. And whilst they're doing the correct warm-ups, I can almost examine how they move. Again, this is going with the TPR. I'd get them to do overhead deep squat. And I could see the kids who could do it and I could see the kids who wouldn't do it. 
I'd get the kids to do what we call a reverse hamstring stretch where you start in a, a ball position on the floor and you actually, instead of going from standing tall to bending over from the hip and touching the toes, we'd start in the ball and actually extend up into a standing position. Okay. So it's how, how we stood up. So we all started on the floor and we started on all fours. We, you know, when we were a little kid, we went from all fours onto two feet. So the whole point of the dynamic warm for the hamstring is you start from the ground and come up in the dynamics phase. Um, so I'd get them to do that to start off with in the warm up. Then we'd do some strength and conditioning stuff, some sort of medicine ball stuff where it'd work on their speed. Like I said, you've got to be working on speed all the time, their strength and their speed for the older, more advanced golfers. And then we'd get on to hitting balls on the range. And then instead of foot golf, I'd give them the option again, making it fun. If the kids prefer to go and do foot golf, even the more advanced ones, I would give them that option at times where at times I'd be like, right, okay, we did foot golf last week. We're going to go on the course this week and we're going to do a Texas scramble. So again, that's that team game making it fun where if they're doing an individual game at that age, they might have a bad hole and think, well, I say I'd give up where at least if it's a Texas scramble or something like that, it's a bit more fun and it's not over after one bad shot. So that's the sort of thing. It very depends on what ability group it was. And I would most of the time be with the, obviously, well, all the time I'd be with the more advanced group. I'd have lads who worked for me in, with the younger group who I would, you know, explain what I want them to do. And I, I had them working for me for a reason because I felt like they were good enough to do it and they understood it. If they didn't, I'd explain. But yeah, that's, that's sort of how the camps would work, really. Cool. And I know I've um, had a lesson with you. I think it was about 18 months ago now. Um, you certainly opened my eyes totally different to probably old school coach or just work on the basic and the fundamentals. And then you just said, oh, you're not moving your hips. You're not clearing them. I was like, okay. And then you got this mat out in there that is told me where my balance was and where my weight transfer was. But you also do one-to-one as well. So yes. a little bit about that, about your, I suppose, methodology, I guess, or your theory behind teaching one-to-one because you don't just do juniors you also do I suppose guys like me I guess or the everyday yeah. golfer I'll, I'll keep it to the juniors for the one-to-one but with the junior one-to-one coaching it would literally be the the camps but compressed down so again I, I would teach I'd get them through again depends on what it's literally the camps compressed down but it would be depends on what ability what age they are, biological age and physical age, I would get them to start with fundamental movement skills or mobility work. And then if it was an advance, it would be mobility into um, a bit of strength strength conditioning and speed sticks would be always in my junior one-to-one coach. And I'd use the speed sticks and start off with those after the warm-up. And then it would be going into the golf swing. And again, like I mentioned, depends on their age and their, their growth spur and their ability would depend on how I teach them. So if they were a lad who was, or a, or a female even, who was stronger, got more control of the club, I would get them to do more technical stuff. Where if they were a, a younger, less advanced, weaker child who was more hypermobile, got less control of the club, I'd just get them to work on fms stuff most of the time really and again i make it fun i'd use the games that i've used in my camps a great one which i which this is amazing how 
it's almost in the head where I would have a kid who could not get the ball up in the air and no matter what I said to me, struggled to get it up in the air. So one lesson I stuck the bamboo sticks in the ground with the, I had it as a traffic light system. So I had green, amber, red at the top. And I'd say, right, I want you to hit one through the bottom one. He'd do that. I want you to hit one through the middle one. I'd do that. And then I'd get him to hit through the top one. And he's gone from running it along the ground, struggling to get it up in the air, to banging it in the top one every single time, or at least hitting the rim. So it's amazing how just having something physically in front of a kid, I think it'd work with an adult as well, but just having something physically in front of them makes them concentrate that a little bit more. And it, it, it's making it fun. Like I said, we used to stand on a range and just hit ball after ball after ball into a wide open space where if you get something there, it's a bit more entertaining and, and enjoyable for them. So, yeah, that's the one-to-one, really, just a bit more compressed. It would, no, it would do because there's a lot of driving ranges now. There would be posts, wouldn't they, where you can hit it under yeah. and over. And so, I mean, there's a lot of driving ranges starting to do that now. A lot of golf pros have invested just in rugby posts, haven't they, just to go, right, this go under, buy around it, fade it, whatever, because you can do what you want with it, essentially. Um, yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, that's pretty much all the questions I have. Um, I'll always give you the chance to always, 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 always plug yourself if you've got anything to plug at the moment. I know we're still in lockdown and what have you, and there's not much going on. I know your main sort of job's over in Spain and nothing's going on over there. So mm-hmm. is there anything we ought to be looking forward or looking, looking out for? Uh, no. Well, not at the moment. It's, it's hard to say, to be honest with you. No one really knows what's happening. Um, so it's tough to stay, say, really. Are people... So definitely, definitely need to do a couple more podcasts. I think going through what's in my head now, I need to do a fitness one and a golfer one, maybe, like on how to become a better golfer and my thoughts on becoming a golfer, I reckon, something like that. Yeah, done, deal. It's done, mate. It's in. We'll get you in. We'll get you in. We'll do that, mate. Um, it's not a problem at all. Um, like I said, I'll get you in for a couple of topic ones and so on and so forth. Um, are people free to sort of contact you if you've got any questions about junior golf? Yeah, yeah. Just find me on social media. On just search golf coaching and fitness on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, if you've got any questions about anything, drop us a message. My email. You'll find my email on the, all those social medias and my mobile number. Um, yeah, I think that's it really. Yeah, just get in touch. Go over to my YouTube channel. I've got videos on there which really explains some of the stuff we've talked about and why I did what I did and what I've learned and also goes into the fitness side of things a little bit more and also my uh, theories on, on coaching in general as well. There you go. Sorted. I knew there was something to plug. There you go. YouTube stuff. Um, sorted. What's been an education, mate? I've actually enjoyed listening because it's obviously gone from Back when I used to work in it, mate, and thought about doing my PGA and all that's come from just your basic grip and posture and stance. You yeah. didn't even think about having to run or do any squats. It was, like, it was just... Yeah, yeah, like I said at the start, I want people to realise like it's not as simple as it as, as they think it is. No, well, like I say, I've enjoyed it, so I'm sure anybody who's followed through and listened would have enjoyed it well. Like I said, a bit of an education, so thanks for coming on and explaining. Um, and I hope it whatever you're doing just go strength, strength mate it's been good um, anybody again who's made it this far in the podcast is a like a subscribe a comment a share um, start subscribing to the podcast I'm on Spotify I'm on iTunes I'm on um, YouTube I've got my social media channels we somehow got up to the top 
80, I think, at one point, podcast golf in, in the in the YouTube in, in the iTunes charts or something. We got to 80 inside the golf UK golf charts. I don't know how that happened, but we did. You like listening, so um, obviously we must be doing something right. So you never know. And this is like extremely, extremely early days. So um, I keep listening. Um, if anybody's got any recommendations or anything like that, in terms of people to get on, anybody who wants to come on who's a golfer, let's do it. And like I say, thanks for listening. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, guys.